All right, what is going on, everyone? We are back on the shittiest fucking podcast in Papillion. This is the this <laughs> this is the biggest. This I thought the, we had the shittiest podcast. Damn, dude, well, you're, you're taking the spot. I have the shittiest podcast in Papillion, which is where I'm from. Uh, this is the biggest episode I've ever done. I'm shitting my pants right now, and I've been trying to put Did together. I ate, I grabbed the, this weird cheeseburger from this guy off the street where I got those cigars. I grabbed a weird cheeseburger off the street from a guy. Just sounds like. It was on a corner. It was in a building on a corner. Sounds like something you do if you've like been day drinking with your friends. You went to a brunch and got blackout drunk by 2 p.m. And you're just let out loose on the street, and your brain's just like, let's do something adventurous. You buy a cheeseburger off the guy off the street. That's that's usually how that goes. It was it was okay. It wasn't a bad burger, but I'll tell you what. We're here. Uh, we're doing it. We have Griff, the Slip, Pippin. I've been huge huge fan for... Over, I'm going to say a year and a half now. He, they have uh, him and his boys. They have this crazy podcast, Country Club Adjacent. If you haven't heard it, go listen to it now. Um, They've taken over the, the comedy golf niche. There was none, if you ask me, and now there is. And you guys are a huge uh, stepping stone to all these shittier ones under you guys. And that, that's just being honest. Yeah, we saw a lane and we're like, what, what, this place is boring. We need to dress this place up. And that's uh, what we've been doing since we started. It's been the best, honestly. Uh, I was telling him, since I found their podcast, which I found I found Country Club adjacent, um, listening to Burtcast when Stotts was on there. Nice. That was years ago. And uh, I found you guys and... Like I told him, I listened to their podcast, all episodes twice, almost, almost every single episode. Which is incredible. I appreciate that. I think it, it, it's just a good podcast. I mean, you want some, you want some good juice in here? You go to the, you go to Country Club Adjacent. Yeah, dude. I was just reading some reviews on our podcast. Some fun people. Some pieces of absolute fuck. Yeah, I mean, God damn it. Yeah, some people just. They don't get what we're doing, and then they go out of their way to be like, these guys are awful. And it's not even I think they're awful. They're like, well, I want everyone to know they're terrible douchebags, and everything they say is a lie. And if I see those people in public or if I see them anywhere, I'm just like, hey, you know, I just I, I just say three, three simple words. Are you okay? Right. Because you're probably not okay. If you're going out of your way to tell the world that you hate people and want everyone else to hate them, you know, and, and there's a few, I think, you know, starting in COVID, this Pandora's box was released. People just got angrier and meaner on the internet with comments in general. People started like turning off comments on their pages and stuff like that. And they hide behind their, um, their private account. Yeah. I think on Instagram or any platform, you shouldn't be able to have a private account. If you're going to go talk shit to the world, then the world should be able to come on your page and, and, and say whatever they want back to you. You shouldn't be able to hide behind your little rock and talk trash. The only time, in my opinion, that the private 
was a good idea was back in the day when people were doing secret Instagrams when we were in middle school and high school. You ever heard about those? Yeah, 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 and that's different. But if you're going to make a negative comment, you should be able to, people should be able to go to your page and say, hey, I don't like you either. They should be able to find you. They should be able to find you. Well, they can they can look at your page. Right. And they can send a friend request. But they're, they, you know, they hide behind um, their profile page holding a bass with sunglasses on. <laughs> you know, there's a look. My neighbor. Yeah. There's a look. They always have sunglasses so you don't know who they are. They don't want you come to the world and tell their boss, like, you just dropped the N-bomb and some comments or something. <laughs> you know, they don't want you doing that. That's, uh, that's pretty much every Midwestern uh, wife beater, if you ask me. Every guy that just goes home, fucking, he's branching all fucking day, and then comes home, has a beer, looks at his phone on the TikTok, and then... He's like, God damn it, Barry! Get the fuck out of here! Now we have com- now we have comments on Country Club adjacent because he's pissed off at everyone else. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. Uh, p- people being angry on the internet is my life is a mess, so I'm going to go in a comment section and say these guys are terrible human beings. But it's really something going on in your life, and I don't. I don't hate these people and I don't want to see these people get hurt, but I just want like, you know, like, do you need therapy? Yeah. To go out of your way to like, if we're over here shooting puppies. <laughs> That's a different story. <laughs> but you're commenting like we're shooting puppies. And I'm like, what, you know, we're over here trying to make people laugh. Yeah. For, you know, we've had probably a hundred DMs of people saying I was depressed or I was suicidal I was in the hospital going through some shit, and you guys, I found your content, and you guys got me through that dark stage of my life. And it's amazing to know, like, your content is, like, lifting people up. And so for everyone that's like, you guys are you guys are bad guys, I'm like, yeah, somebody got through depression because of these silly videos that you hate. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep doing them. We're going to keep doing them. And so, like, on this podcast, like, my girlfriend sometimes she's like don't you ever like shouldn't you think a little bit before you say something like what if someone hears that and they don't like it you know kind of thing and i'm like i don't fucking care i that's not even a thing like we that's a that's that's a topic to make fun of out there because it's just not a thing it's not a thing at all you say whatever the fuck you want out there and everyone has a great time there's like almost nothing that comes up really out there. Yeah. See, Omaha seems... Is Omaha pretty country? No. Not not Omaha. Omaha is the biggest city in Omaha. So, and it's... Omaha it, is the biggest city in Omaha? Or Omaha is the biggest city... Oh, that. That's on God, but... <laughs> biggest city in Nebraska. Probably around there, yeah. I th- I think I don't know. I live in a suburb that's like right outside of Omaha, but like all these suburbs are still Omaha. In there, like you can't even sometimes tell if you're in one town to another because everything's the same out there. But it's all nice and it's all kept, so you can't really complain. Huh? All right. Well, yeah. Your life is calm and relaxed, and quality life in general is good. And you know, we go to places like. Boise and you know like Tucson a lot of these cities and people are just happier they are life is much better yeah in in a lot of ways I envy that 
I need to be here. But, you know, a place like that sounds fantastic. You So you guys go to Arizona a decent amount, don't you? Because great golf out there. They got the waste, waste management was not too long ago. Yeah, we probably go out there a couple times a year. Yeah. Waste management and usually one other time. I mean, it's a big golf state, so. I was, that, that was my, that's what I was going to ask is, is the golf as good as it's hyped up to be out there? The meth is better, but. I'd um, like to try that too. Yeah, yeah. Arizona meth is amazing. Um, see, there's always someone listening to, to hear that and be like, that's not okay. Like, it's a joke. That's just how people are these days. Well, that's like me saying that California dope's better than uh, Nebraska's shitty mall dope. Yeah, I can attest to that. I tried it out for a low, for a low price. No one's arguing that. Um, yeah, Arizona, Tucson, it, Phoenix has an ungodly amount of golf, and if you have enough money, you can play a handful of these really nice private courses like Silverleaf, where John Rom's a member. I think that's where John Rom lives. Nice. Um, and there's some incredible courses there, you know, and even where they play the uh, waste management. So, and then tons of public courses. So, yeah. It's it's a great place. I mean, I like I like Phoenix and maybe move there someday. That would be a sw- I would move to Phoenix. I like Phoenix and I like uh I haven't been to Austin, but I mean fuck everyone hypes it up. You you guys are just out there. Yeah, how Austin how is Austin? Great city. It's a great city. But did you go to the mothership? Um, no. Uh a bunch of my friends, um, Mark, who's on the podcast. Uh, Mark shout out that Sunday. Shout out to Mark the Dart. Yeah, that stay that Sunday and perform there. Right. Yeah. So Mark has been there. I haven't. A lot of my friends have already performed there. Um I have not yet. This is by the way, this is Joe Rogan's new comedy club he opened in. The whole, you know, big part of this club is it is not politically correct. No, you no, know, because in LA you got to watch your mouth. There, I just heard a lot of f f you know uh, f bombs, you know n words, whatever it is, and it was like, this is what this club's about. You say whatever you want, and you don't get canceled or in trouble. And there's a lot of comedians, a lot of big comedians that you know are going to come there and perform. So he's created this counterculture and uh, a safe space, so you can say whatever the fuck you want. If that's not ironic enough. Um, an unsafe space. That's what you should call the comedy club. But um, Austin is a really awesome city. Only problem I have with Austin is too much of its identity is tied to political values. Whereas if you're in Phoenix, like people don't really care that much what your political values are. Right. Um, they care, but it's not like. But Austin sits around all day, every day, and thinks about: Are you Democrat or Republican, and what are your beliefs, and fighting people over it, and so. People are just constantly thinking and talking about politics left and right there. And I, I, you know, I'm just trying to live my life. I don't want to sit and think about politics and talk about it all day. So um, that's my only problem with Austin. Great city otherwise. I've heard the same thing, and it makes sense. I mean, who the fuck really cares about shit you can't even control half the time? Right. You go out, you can go out and vote. You can educate yourself, but after somebody's already in office, like, what are you doing spending all day thinking about it? You're wasting your time. Go read some stoic books. Yeah. Go read some, go read meditations by Marcus Aurelius. If Biden's in office and you hate him, there's nothing you can do. So stop being a fucking idiot and wasting your energy throwing beers at the TV going, you hate Biden. No shit if you hate him (laughs) or if you hate Trump. But if they're in office, there's nothing you can do. So shut the 
fuck up. And this is for your own mental health. Stop being angry and wasting your mental energy. Because you could take that extra energy of leftover and go do something awesome in your life. Exactly. You want to be a better father? It's probably because you don't have the energy and headspace. <laughs> Stop getting mad at whoever's in office or shit that you can't change. You know, it's I couldn't agree more. It's it, simple it, as that. But it, it pisses me off when people try to like just go down this rabbit hole of stupid stuff, and you like you just want to be like, do you even hear what you're saying out loud right now? Like it's just you know nothing. Nothing's gonna happen. It's, it's, you know, I am obsessed with stoicism. It's almost like when somebody starts doing CrossFit, they don't shut the fuck up about it. Can, can you explain, can you explain that to everyone? Yeah, what, what it is? is an ancient Greek philosophy, you know, thousands of years old. And it's just, and people get thrown off by the word philosophy or philosophers and like, it's some mystic, weird bullshit. It's not, it's just an operating system on how to live a better life. It doesn't get in the way of any religion, doesn't get in the way of anything. It just makes your life better in this, in this context of Stoicism is just a philosophy, a way to live in accordance with nature and a way to live a better life. And a big tenet in, in Stoicism is stop wasting mental energy over stuff that you have no control over. So, so many of us are in our lives controlled by our emotions. Right. Intelligent people, successful people. So many of us are spending so much of our energy thinking about getting mad at over stuff that you have no control over. And if you sat and like did a mental checkup on all the shit throughout the day and the week and the month that you got mad about or used mental energy that you have no control over, you'd be astonished and disgusted. Um, and when you start to train your brain to go, do I have any? Nope. Don't have any control. Not going to waste energy over it. Sounds easier said than done. Right. I get it. But you practice it. It's a practice just like anything else. Like meditation's breaks. I tried that. Meditation is not for me. I'm not knocking it. For me, my meditation and thing for mental clarity is stoicism. And I've read a, you read a bunch of books, audible, Google articles over it. It's an, I don't like lose my composure now. I don't lose my cool. I don't get bent out of shape. People, one great thing he says in this author, Ryan Holiday, is in his book, Obstacles Away. Great book. So many of us are trained emotionally. If someone says something disrespectful to you, or if they get one on over you, and or if they fuck you over, or do something rude to you physically, mentally, we're trained to go, well, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. So now I have to even the playing field. I have to get back at them, right? Because that that's not okay. They fucked me over. I have to fuck them back over. And he goes, that's not true. So he gave an example, Angela Merkel, when she was Chancellor Germany, uh, Germany um, at a meeting with Putin. And Putin knew she didn't like dogs. Halfway through the meeting, Putin has some of his thugs release this big-ass Bernese mountain dog to just go after her. Not bite her, but just run over to her and scare her. And it did. And they had to have the staff take the dog out. That's so disrespectful to do to a world leader. Yeah. And to just do that is like, that's douchebag, not okay. And she has every right right there to be like, this meeting's over. Fuck you, Putin. And to yell at him. Or to have some of her bodyguards try to fight him. Whatever it is. But he says in the book, she didn't. She didn't do that. She laughed, and then after the meeting, I think they shook hands and went on her way. So he's like, you think you have 
to react and get mad if someone did something wrong to you? Because how many times in life is someone going to do something wrong to you or say something disrespectful or screw you over, cut you off in traffic? We are trained to be like, I have to, well, I have to, I have to, I have to write that wrong. How many times have you snapped that Cobra rad speed fucking right, yeah. o- right over the knee Yeah, on a slice drive? So it's like, you know, you, you sit there and think you have to react and you have to get back at someone and you, you don't. And a big part of stoicism is something bad happens to you. It's not actually a bad thing. It's only a bad thing if you choose to react to it in a bad way. Now, I know that sounds like, whoa, you've lost me there. But if if I come up and say you're a fucking douchebag, or a better example is one of these um, Apple podcast reviews of our podcast with one star. And the guy's like, these guys are douchebags uh, and they do their ad reads. It's nails on a chalkboard. And I definitely will never buy any of the garbage they hawk. That's pretty close to verbatim. And I could say... He did a bad thing, and he that was bad, and that hurt me. But I have a choice to react, and and I have a choice to go. No, he said that thing, but it's it's only bad if I if I react to it, right? And that's a big thing about stoicism. Now, again, I know you're hearing that like, well, ah, you lost me there. But when you start practicing it and going like, you know, your ego gets in the way of shit, and you're like, eh. you think you're being a passive little bitch. When you start practicing it, but after a while, you're like, I have so much more middle energy. I'm happier and in control of every situation. I'm actually stronger and more impressed with myself. And I have a lot more self-respect and people have more respect for me. And the opposite of what you think is going to happen happens. But at first you're like, man, I'm just being a push. You're not, it takes more middle strength and a stronger person to not react to things. So. So did you find all of this, like, what made you want to start, like, you're like, God, like, did you just feel like you're always stressing over something or like your, your head case and everything and yeah. like, you just didn't know what to, or like why and I'm how? a very sensitive, very emotional guy. I, I would snap and lose my temper a lot. Yeah. And it's stressful when you're a very emotional, sensitive person and you're losing your temper all the time. You just carry all this heavy weight on your chest. And after a while, I'm like, I don't. There's, this has got to be a better way. And a lot of people will say, go to therapy. And I don't knock therapy. It's great. Um, therapy is not my therapy. Stoicism is my form of therapy. I would like to try therapy. And it is what works for me. Um, it is a form of therapy, I think. It will yeah. solve, I think, every one of your problems that therapy could do. Is I'll, I will say that with confidence. You know, and if you have serious deep trauma, go to a therapist. They can work on that. But if you're one of those people that doesn't have like deep trauma, but you still need to and want to improve your life, stoicism. Um, I just was like, I want to live a better life. And I read a lot and I'm obsessed with philosophy and just the, the journey to live a better life. And I started reading these stoic books and getting deep into it and reading more and more and more. And it's a daily practice. It's like my... Some people pray and do their religion or their meditation or therapy. That's my thing. My practice, if you will, that you have to practice every day. Right. Everyone should be practicing some form of something, whether it's religion, it's meditation, or even yoga. Intermittent fasting. And I do, well, that doesn't count. I do that. (laughs) I I just did it. I do it a little bit too. I just did a 48 hour no, no, nothing fast. How did that go? I highly recommend. Okay. Intermittent fasting is great. 
I what do. happens after 24 hours is your body does this thing called autophagy. And it's like spring cleaning. And it, you have all these cells building up in your body that are potentially growing cancer. And it cleans that shit out. And you have all these old, worn-out neurons in your brain. Your brain starts to, your memory starts to fade. You're just not as quick, blah, blah, blah. Well, you take that and you grow new neurons in your brain. And so that neuroplasticity comes back. Your memory's sharper um, and faster and happier. Another big thing, this connection I had, um, was years ago I had appendicitis, had to get a surgery and couldn't, like, eat liquids, couldn't eat solids for, like, a week. And I remember afterwards, I didn't really want sweet food as much anymore. And I was like, I don't know what that was. And I just kind of forgot about it. And then I did the 48-hour fast. Another huge thing is you're cleaning out your gut biome. And when you're eating carbs and sugars all the time, <clears throat> um, those carbs and sugars go into your gut biome and tell your brain we want more of that shit. And thus, you keep eating carbs and sugars and crap for you. So when you go 48 hours with no food, all of those little things in the sugars and carbs that tell your brain we need more of that, they disappear. So after 48 hours, like you have none of those left and you the cravings go away. So when the cravings are gone, when you start eating again, you're like, I don't want sugar or carbs. So you can just start eating healthy as long as you maintain that. But now since I've done it a month ago, I'm like, I don't have cravings for crap food, which is awesome. Which is, it's, I, I wish I could, I need to get there. Here's the key. If you want to lose weight or diet, blah, blah, blah. If you're having to really discipline yourself or use willpower and it's a really hard thing to do, that will not work. You will fail. Um, the only way it works is if it gets easy. Uh, we all know that friend that doesn't care about food that much. It's kind of a job. And you're like, so jealous, right? You don't get to enjoy delicious food as much, which is the downside. But I'm kind of jealous. If I'm trying to lose weight, get in shape. So it, the, the key is clean that clean that gut biome out 48 hours. And after a while, like food is kind of annoying to me now. Yeah. I could enjoy a really nice restaurant. It's a nuisance sometimes. It's a bit of a nuisance. And food's a bit of a job. And I got to kind of do it. I mean, there's many days now where I'm like, if I could just take a pill. Me fucking too. Any Like the past couple weeks i'd say like at work so i work construction and we get a break we get a break at 10 15 minutes and we get our lunch you know and i used to like eat on both of those breaks and then like after a while i'm like am i only eating just because i have a break or am i eating because i'm hungry and obviously i was eating because just because i had a fucking break and i would stuff shit in my lunchbox bring a big old lunch you know and have like a mini lunch on break and i'm like why am I eating all this? Like, there's no reason for it at all. I w if I wasn't at work, I would not be eating any of this. Right. You're bored or you feel like I sh I think I'm supposed to be eating. Yes. So then lately, I'm like, I'll bring a protein shake. A uh, couple other, like, sometimes I'll bring, like, nuts or something, uh, like one of those cuties or whatever, and I'll be good for the day, and then I'll have dinner. And I'm, I'll drink my water and my... Uh, uh, how do you feel about energy drinks? Should I stop drinking them? Yeah, I drink one terrible. a day. I, I drink one a day. You already know how bad they are. You know better. But here's the thing. I'm a caffeine addict, and every now and then I'll have an energy drink. And the difference is, like, whatever else they're putting in there, I feel awful. There's a crash. Had one last night and almost had, like, heart palpitations trying to go to bed. I don't know what they're putting in there, but it's not just caffeine. What are you drinking? 
Oh, there's, I had, you know, rain or a monster sugar-free. I'm a monster sugar-free guy. Monster, Red Bull, or even this red line yesterday, if you want to call that an energy drink. Yeah. Um, And this stuff's bad. It's really bad for your health. I don't, I don't, I, I can't stress that enough. I've never got, I've. I drink more than I, I know there's people that drink like three. I had a guy on the, my podcast the other day. He's from my work and he drink, he said he drinks minimum three every day. And some of these have 300 milligrams of caffeine. Yes. Because by the way, that would be like a 32 ounce coffee. Yeah. Think about it. Would you drink a 32 ounce coffee? No, you would never do that. Cause that's insane. Well, that's what you're doing. What are you doing to your heart? Yeah. So then are you a coffee guy in the morning? Yeah. yeah. And, you, and I wait a little bit to wake up. Yeah. You know, because it, it has a better effect. And earlier, I went to Starbucks because they're getting out of control over there. And they now have uh, uh, their coffee drinks infused with olive oil. What is and, it? What's that doing? Well, they had like a cold uh, cold brew. They had a like a, a foam nitro and then a latte. I tried this like uh, cold brew a nitro foam thing and it was pretty fucking good yeah i'm not a coffee shop guy when i go there i just tell them i tell them every time it depends if i'm feeling a nice coffee or a blended white white girl drink and i just say hey give me give me whatever you got of whatever your your guys version of a caramel iced coffee is right that's all i that's all i know to say i don't know any other matcha matcha bacha smatcha bullshit i don't know any of it that's better for you than an energy drink is it really yeah. Maybe I should Not, get, maybe I should get on the coffee. A lot of those drinks they make are filled with crap. Um but they're better for you than an energy drink. They might have more calories, but they're definitely like not putting they're putting crap in there, but I mean it, the stuff that's in energy drinks is just like and it may not like you may not feel like crap afterwards, but you're so used to it. Is it bad that I feel like I I can just picture Mark the Dart just ripping fucking energy drinks on and off the golf course. I don't know why. He seems he like an energy, seems drink like guy, he energy drink guy. But I don't... I've never seen him doing that. You know, he's usually just high. Yeah. And he'll have like a coffee he brings in from Starbucks. I think he'll do a cold brew a lot of the time. Um, so, no, I don't see him do that. Um... I have not seen him have an energy drink. Neither I don't think anyone in the group really would would drink those. Are you so like living out here? So like you you're obviously you're more about all I'm going to call this health stuff just cuz I'm uneducated and I'm Midwest and I'm from the Midwest. You you know all this health stuff? The last guys that live out here that I was just with know all this. It must just be a Cali thing. Um, I don't know if it's a Cali thing so much, but Californians in general over any other state are probably more informed on health foods and stuff like that. Just because it's just such an important part of the culture here and people care. You're, I mean, your average Angelino is not that healthy. Um, we have plenty of shitty food here and plenty of people that don't give a shit about their body. Yeah. Um, but it's more common to find people that are like health nuts or I could go on for days about like what fruits and vegetables do what for you and what vitamins they have, or if you're trying to clean out your liver, or you're trying to prove your brain function. Like I'm obsessed with all this stuff. Um, but I always have been, even when I lived in Oklahoma, um, I was just going to ask, did this start once? Cause you stopped drinking. 
I, I drink every now and then. Oh, you do. I have some beers and uh, and some wine, um, but I don't I don't drink liquor. Got it. Yeah. I uh, you told you said you went to your dad's uh, golf tournament and you finished a bottle of Admiral Nelson. Is, isn't that right? And you oh, uh, just got uh, shit. Captain just got Morgan. Dude. That's what it is. Or no, no, no. Um. Not Captain Morgan. Was that? Didn't you Sailor say? Jerry's. Hey, yes. Sailor Jerry's. Yes. Yeah, and that was, you know, I was in a bad fucking place. And if you're in a really bad headspace in life, you should not be drinking. Because at that point, you're doing it to cope, and you are doing it to numb your brain. Right. Now, I'm in a good place in life now. And I gave myself some time to test it out. And I'm like, you, if you're going to drink, it's because you want to enjoy a libation to improve life, not because you're miserable and need to numb your life. So let's test it out. And uh, I'll have some beers and some wines here and there. Um, but, you know, if I've had a brutal week, you know, I'm not going to go out and drink a bunch of hard liquor to numb my brutal week. That's the problem. So, um, yeah, I allow myself because it's pretty hard to get out of control on wine and beer. Yeah. You got to drink a lot of it. You got to drink an ungodly amount. And I'm just like, I'm not doing that. No. I mean, I would have to drink to get out of control with like a Bud Lights. And I don't even think I'd possibly do that. That That, shit's too watery. So there's no way I could talk you into getting, uh, being on one of my Olympic drinking series podcasts. Um, no, I mean, I wouldn't, that doesn't do much for me anymore. It doesn't, seem like, it doesn't seem like you. And, and you know, I had those days, but getting hammered is just like, it's a young guy's game. Like me, I'm a, I'm a young stud. I'm, I don't know. I don't know. A goddamn thing. Yeah. And I, you know, I, I tried shit like that. I remember was in, um, doing a comedy show, some doing stand up and, uh, uh, where was I in? I think it was, Ghent, Belgium, and there was a Russian comedian there and everything. And I was like, I'm, I bet I could drink you Russian under the table. And he was like, you sure? And I was like, yeah, dude, I, I can absolutely. And la- I last thing I remember is drinking another one of these strong Belgian ales after my like a ninth beer. And keep in mind, these are 10%. Beers. Right, right. So I'm, this is like, I'm drinking, I'm on my, tw- you know, 20th plus beer. <laughs> And last thing, I woke up in the morning and he's like, oh, how are you doing, Mr. Whatever, something I must have said. Yeah. And I think, you know, I'd had like 20 of these 10% beers. And the guy was like, dude, I was laughing at you. And, you know, we went beer for beer. And I did shit like that, but I was just like, yeah, completely regret it the next day. Yeah. But, you know, to day drink, you know, you're at the lake, you're doing something fun to have a couple glasses of wine and a couple beers is fun for me. But to get hammered is just never, there's never anything good that comes from that. How about the golf course? So I watch, I watch your videos just, just as much as I do the podcast and you're not a, it doesn't see, or at least on video, you're not a, a substance user on the course. It's, it seems like. Well, um, we're usually filming content and, you know, I have a job to do and, or I'm very competitive in a tournament and I want to win. So I don't want to inebriate myself. Um, we played with John Daly and I had a couple of beers cause yep. Everett's everyone's childhood dream to have some beers and play golf with John Daly. That, that was insane. So there's that. Um, and, uh, no, I mean, we took mushrooms yesterday and filmed it. You, you did? We played in a tournament 
sorry, two days ago in Palm Springs, and Jake and I took mushrooms and played Mark and Blake on acid to see which performance-enhancing drug was better, and they won. No They, they way. were vibing, and we were trying to figure out our life problems. So we were in just different. Jake was not having their energy. I've been there before, so I was able to handle it. You're right. But I had to kind of coach Jake and help him figure out his life problems and the problem of the day. And he was just like, this is, I, I don't like their energy. It's throwing me off. And I was like, yeah, just kind of like, I, I really don't, stoicism plus the mushrooms or just like, I really don't, I don't care. None of it bothers me. That is going to be a great video. It it should be interesting. Some car cam talks with Jake. Uh, Absolutely, we got real deep, and they're over there just cracking up. God. They weren't they weren't as deep as we were, so that was better to just kind of be on the surface level and play golf. We had bigger issues to deal with, so <laughs> golf was second. <laughs> that I mean, that's how it becomes anyway. When you whether you're drinking or you're on shrooms, by that. 13th hole it's not about the golf anymore some some of those days you get enough brews in you yeah you can't even focus on the golf and i've been there again drinking an entire bottle of overproof sailor jerry's 91 percent in nine holes you that, know that's something right there. that's a full bottle plus <laughs> that's a full bottle of liquor plus like another full glass of liquor in nine holes yeah in two hours you know that is, uh, that'd get most people going. And that's where I was. I was in a, a headspace where it was just like, that's, you know, I hate my life. So I, I need to completely numb it as much as I can and as fast as I can. So you, d you do the mushrooms versus acid on the, on the course. What the hell comes next after that? Do you top it with heroin, black tar, or are we going <laughs> maybe a speedball? I would love to do more or 2.0. More be mushrooms, more, but I don't think the guys would be in for it. Um, I would be down for like Molly versus Coke. Oh my um, God. But they, I don't think they are. But I want to do. Ketamine? Yeah. I mean, uh, you, I don't think you could even golf, um, <laughs> to be honest with you. But, um, yeah, I think we're going to do Adderall versus Ritalin. I thought that would be really <laughs> funny to see. Like, they're so similar in the same salt-amphetamine chemical family. And I'm like, one of, you know, because they're different. You know, there's Vivance and there's Focalin. There's Concerta. I think it would be funny to do the different, like, oh my ADHD God. drugs versus each other would be really funny. Or you guys all pop a Xanax and you just fucking pass out on the on the golf course. Xanax, yeah, Xanax versus uh, ketamine or something. I mean, there, there are some episodes I think we could probably film for our um, our Patreon. Yeah, you know, a match. I would really love to do Molly versus Coke. That would be insane because, like, both those drugs are mainstreamed. You know, like for the party scene and whatnot. Right, but not on the. Not like on the social side though, social media side though. I feel like so that would be that'd be a huge banger right there if you ask me. Like just for the title right there, like people are gonna be like, "You're kidding me!" I'm seeing that on YouTube right now. Yeah, that would well, be sick. I don't think we'd release it on YouTube. Or duh, your Patreon. Sorry, Sorry. Patreon. Sorry. Yeah, because we will probably get demonetized off this mushroom versus acid video. Yeah, that's fine. They won't take it down, but they might demonetize it. So, um, you know, you'll have the street cred. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, it's a lot of golf people in the uptight industry that'll see that. I'm like, these fucking guys are drug addicts. And I'm like, no, we're just, we're just guys having fun out there. We're not hurting anybody. We're not going out there and telling 
eight-year-old kids to go do drugs. Yeah. We're out here just seeing what, what happens with us. Exactly. But I mean, every, everyone's got a brain and everyone can make their own decisions on what they, how they want to take everything in. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that argument. Like, oh, you're, t- you're, you're doing this and kids can be watching. Fuck that. You kidding me right now? Yeah, dude. Well, we're telling kids on how to live a better life. Yeah. So have a good if any, time. If anything, we're helping your kids out. Your kid doesn't listen to you anymore and he's a little brat and you can't get him to pay attention in school no matter what you do and you ground him. Give him some mushrooms. Next thing you know, your kid's a good kid. You can thank me later. <laughs> that would be, oh my God. Do you think people do that? Slip a slip them a cap? Somewhere, someone is definitely like, we've tried everything. One of those guys that like mushrooms is their food, their fucking source of energy. One of those mushroom guys has to be. Yeah, they're called Wooks. That's their name? Yeah, Wooks. Wooks. They go to music festivals, white dudes with dreads that live out of camper vans. Ah, yeah, there's wooks. There's wooks everywhere. I've never been to one of those like raves or like anything like Coachella. I've never, I've never been to anything like that. Yeah, it's going on right now. It's wild. It's, it's, it's kind of gross, douchey SoCal people with money. And Seems gross and like hot people. I haven't even been, but I know exactly what it is. Um, and it's those things are only fun to be honest if you have VIP, VIP passes and can like be in a VIP and don't have to deal with a general annoying public. Otherwise, you're out in the desert sweating your balls off. You got sand in your gooch and you got nowhere to clean it, Just, right? Yeah. Annoying general admission mass crowds. It's it's people annoy that large crowds annoy the hell out of me. A so. slop fest really in the pit. Yeah. So th- those things to me are only I'll only go out to Coachella unless there's someone's like, we got some VIP in a solid place for you to stay. Cause it can be a mess getting a place out there. Don't you just give them the, Hey, country club adjacent motherfucker. Do you give them the, one of those? Uh, well, eventually I'm sure there'll be a pretty big artist. That's like, I'm a big fan of you guys. I'll hook you up with VIP. Yeah. Um, so yeah, eventually that'll happen. You know, whether if Macklemore were performing, he would do that. He likes it. He, he's commented on your guys' stuff, yeah, hasn't he? I yeah. see. I seen it on your Instagram. Yeah, he's a big fan. So we're gonna try to play some golf with him. That w- that would be awesome. Yeah, a little thrift thrift shop golf. Little, little some thrift shop, dude. So speaking of some YouTube golf, let's just put it all out there. What's the deal with you guys and Fat Perez? When the fuck's that? When's this gonna happen? I think he's the one. I know he's the one holding off. But then he puts out this video saying, "Hey, you want the smoke? Come get the smoke." Well, hey, Fat Perez. Why don't you come on back for a low price to the Country Club of Jason Boys, where the originators came about, and the true homies? And why don't why don't we get a match? They going? won't. And I don't have any. I I don't I don't dislike those guys at all. I know I've met Fat recently, and I met Bob. I've met Bob and known him for a few years now. Um, they're very likable, digestible guys that have a brand of likability and a diehard fan base. Yes, we're very polarizing. And have people that hate us, yep. hate our guts. Um, and I think they're a little worried. Working with us in any capacity is going to catch a lot of flack and maybe lose followers. They're terrified of that, which I understand their business. So I don't think that they want to fuck with us for that reason. That's my perception of it. I'm pretty sure that's, if not bullseye. Um, and, you know, because I think I talked to Fat Perez and he was just like, eh. I don't know, man. The crew's just not sure. Like trying to be very diplomatic, but kind of like 
uh, think we get we'll give a piss off a lot of people think, and it's like we're not scared to piss people off and lose followers. He's the opposite of what you guys are striving to do with golf, right? They're they have a very specific business model that works. He said it out loud in one of their podcasts that he's a very traditional guy. Yeah, like the, like the craziest thing he does on the golf course now is where Jordan won low golf shoes. You know what They're I mean? They're very traditional guys that are not there to ruffle feathers, and a lot of diehard golf fans love them because they represent the traditional guy. Yes, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. I I've, I've, I respect that. And so their fans see us and know we are threatening the traditional way of golf. We're absolutely eroding that. And so we're threatening their traditions and they want us to be like assassinated because of it. Like there are people that would like to see us in a plane crash. So, um, and it's like things change and old traditional golf. I don't like a lot of things about it. I respect some things about it, but I don't like a lot of things. And a lot of people are fed up with it. So that's why a lot of our diehard fans are like, thank you for coming in and doing this. But the guys, I think, the Bob Duff Sports fans like the traditional style. So what we're doing is is the antithesis of what they want to see in golf content creation. So they they just hate us. And they hate us for it. And they think, you know, we're being douchebags at the back off challenge. And golf's about respect and being a gentleman. And it's like, no, it's fucking not. No. You stupid fucks. Dude, like the guys that are over here at the country clubs that are gentlemen in tradition are cheating on their wives and they're they're performing horrible white collar crimes, fucking people over left and right, cheating their taxes every day. Every day. So don't sit there and tell me it's a gentleman's game and tradition and these are good upstanding people. No, they're fucking scumbags. Okay? And so it, let's not... Let's not act like we're these upstanding good guys when we're pieces of shit. Everyone in golf's a piece of shit. And if you're not doing that, you're at a muni getting blacked out drunk and you're taking mushrooms or smoking weed, you know, and you're, you don't have a tucked in shirt. You have a t-shirt on and jean shorts. And we're all degenerates. We're all just fucking idiots. Let's, you know, it's like, you know, fix your divots. You know, don't walk in people's lines. If it's car path, only respect that. There's certain they don't talk in people's backswings. There's certain things that you always need to respect in golf etiquette. But people are going to start untucking their shirts and wearing Jordans. Black yeah. people play golf. People are going to smoke weed on the golf course. Like your old traditions, there's nothing you can do. So again, practicing stoicism, you have no control over the new generation of golf. So you might as well just let it go and let it happen. Um, you know, for these people that hate us for threatening these traditions... There's nothing you can do about it, and you're not going to stop it. So you might as well just accept it. Because going out of your way to comment how much you hate someone, that definitely has a toll on you at the end of the day. Yeah. Whether you know it or not, when you go out of your way to comment something nasty, you just, like, you feel bad after. You feel like a bad person. You don't feel good. And then you may have even forgotten about it, but you hold that the rest of the day, and you feel bad. And then you take that anger and feeling bad on someone else. And it dominoes. So just for your own sake, you know, if you want to hate us and say nasty things, like you're only holding yourself back because we're going to keep doing what we're doing. I mean, all this new golf, like the new people coming in, all it's done is blown golf up as a sport for just 
as a whole, like all these new shirt brands, the crazy shirts that are even better quality now than like shirts a couple years ago. The quality's insane. It's like in, it's insane. Like a fucking bad birdie shirt. Are you kidding me? I'll spend 60, 70, 80 bucks on a golf polo. Like no problem. It feel they're they're awesome. Yeah, yeah, and, and we didn't have we didn't have that back like a couple years ago. Not like we do now. Nowhere even close. Things have changed a lot, and golf styles and stuff like that. And um, you know, you got these old guys in golf courses that hate it, that are sick of it. Yeah, you play your music on the on the cart, and people old guys will go complain to the clubhouse. And I'm like, you guys are you fight it as long as you want, but you're gonna lose the battle. I I'll admit it. Uh, when we have our speaker out and uh, when we're golfing, I, if I if someone is coming around, I usually do turn my speaker down a little bit just to be courteous to other groups and whatnot. But besides that, like, what's a speaker hurting? You know what I mean? As I always tell people, just be respectful. I mean, like, what? There's nothing more you can really do. Just be respectful and do your thing. Well, it's like you know when you live in an apartment, if you're having a huge a party, you want to be respectful of your neighbors. I don't care who you are. Same within the golf course. If you're blasting your music too loud, like you don't want to do that. I don't condone that. But playing music at a reasonable level is fine. But these old guys don't like that. No, even at a reasonable level, if they if you play hip hop, like oh, they'll immediately call the clubhouse. I'm like, yeah, you don't like black people. My dad, he he's been golfing for probably 10 years now and he's he has always been more of the older generation golf style you know like we're here to play golf like i want to play good and i'm not i'm not fucking around bud right you know he'll have a beer too and lately like um i went i went golfing with him towards the end of last season and he had a speaker and he was playing his jam he was he he listened to rap rap like too short fucking all that hard rap. He's getting into it. And he's playing this on one of the, it, it's one of the nicest courses at, at, in Omaha around us. And he's, he's playing that shit. And I'm like, you're kidding me right now. I would, I would have never guessed he brought the speaker and everything. That's, su- that's something to say right there. Golf's changing. It's a, it's a, everyone to me. Golf now is looked at to be a, another way to hang out and just kind of let loose. It's yeah. the best. It That's is the, the best. Point. And then people that take that too seriously, these guys tucking in their shirts that are just being quiet all day and, and taking it too seriously. Like, golf's supposed to be a fun recreational sport to get away from life. Stop acting like you got to stick up your ass. And four hours later, you should come away being like, I needed that. I feel better now and recharged. So we say all this, but then... I'll go to the golf course and then I'll shank like 17 balls in a row. And I just want to get, I just want to go fucking crazy. I'm like, why did I ever get into fucking golf? God damn it. It's so frustrating. It's so bad. Oh my God. Like the day that I can just not, that I can go up to a ball and not have any worry in my head. I'm like, okay, this ball is actually just going to get hit correctly. Like, I don't even care if it goes, if I slice it a little bit, I don't even want the shank in my in my system, but I don't think that'll ever happen for me. Yeah, you you know when you start caring less and less about golf, you can enjoy it more. Yeah, golf's a big analogy with life. When you take it too seriously, like you're you're gonna screw it up. If I can break ninety five every time I play, oh my god, I'll be on top of the world. Yeah, come on, you can do better than that. Break eighty five. Uh, well, what are you? What what are, what are you at right now? Skill skill level. What what's your? What? I'm a three handicap. Are you really? Yeah. I I knew you were low down there. That's that's insane. 
Yeah, I'm going out to play tomorrow. I'm very excited and uh, just got some stuff I'm working on in my swing. And it's always exciting seeing like, did my calculations, were they correct? We'll see. So for the people listening that, because if you're listening and we know that you are, you're probably a complete fucking dirtbag. Um, and maybe you want to do a little bit of golf. Say say they're having a time like me and you're just shanking balls all the time. And But you have those days that like, God, when you're on, you're on. You know, those shots that for some reason they're just clicking. What's something that like people should be looking at just for a quick swing analysis? Just be like, all right, am I doing this right now? What's it, what are people missing on their on their swing sometimes that you think could help? Probably ninety nine percent amateurs are casting coming over the top. So I would recommend going to YouTube looking up how a drill to keep you from casting. Practice that drill. And second, slow your swing down. And those are two things. If you can go out and do that. Was that the answer to your question? I just started slowing my swing down because I noticed I was trying to just trying to rush on the ball a little bit. Yeah. And, that's, and that, that's that helped me a little bit. That doesn't work. No, it doesn't. Because then if you're, do, if you're not slowing it down, you're just trying to like shit face the ball. And there you go. Very simple. Very simple. So, yeah. Um, you guys all started. You guys were all stand-ups. Mark, he's doing his thing with Bert. Yep. Are you are you still going out to the store and, and the clubs and, and stuff? Doing, uh, doing I your... do like six shows a year. Uh, eventually, we'll tour and I'll probably do more. Yeah. But I, I haven't really... It has not been a priority. Um, and eventually, I'll get back into it. And I do want to release an hour someday. But um, it's... You know, I'm building content for my own personal page and then running Country Club with Jason with Jake. So it's, you know, I'm very busy, but more importantly, very content and don't really feel like I need that right now in my life. Yeah. Um, so it's, you know, it's kind of put on hold. It's more like a hobby now, but now it's way more fun and I'm actually better at it now because it's a hobby. That when makes you're performing sense. every night and you're like, this has to go well. This is all I have. It's an awful place to be in. But yeah. when you're like, I don't give a shit if I bomb. I don't need this. This is it's a fun hobby. Then you get better at it. And how, you gotta set your life up to where this is weird catch twenty two. So how does uh how does getting into the comedy scene work? Like someone I heard one time that you have to pay to get a guest spot sometimes. Is that true? Or can you just you go up to my open mics? Or? You start doing open mics, but you have to pay to go to these open mics. And they're miserable. They're horribly depressing. You pay and you get there early to sign up and wait an hour before the show starts. And then you sit in front of a room full of other comics that don't want you to be funny. And they'll go out of their way not to laugh at you. And you're just sitting there in a room full of other comedians who think they've heard everything. And so they don't think it's funny and they don't think you're funny. And then when they get on stage, they expect you to laugh. Um, and there's tension in the room and it's awful. And most of them are on their phone. I can see that. So you paid $5 to do that. So it is just miserable and you get treated like a dirt bag. Even when you get on shows, you don't get paid. It's a really shitty industry. And there's a lot of shitty people in it. It seems like it. That that's all I listen to is like comedians for po for podcasts. Right. Almost everyone's a comedian. Everyone says the same thing. Like it's so shit until something just somehow happens. You know, like after all these years or however long, and then it's like this is a this is what being a comedian is. But that come up is the shittiest thing ever. Yeah, you have no idea how bad it is. You know, and I did it for 
14 years before this podcast and finally something happened and pulled me out of that. And now I'm like, oh, thank God. Because I'm sure the comedy scene's great in Oklahoma. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, you're being sarcastic. Yeah, yeah it's uh, it, it's it was bad. And so, um, you know, did as much as I could there and then came out of here. And it's it's rough out here. Yeah. But luckily I don't like wake up every night and like have to keep doing this awful grind that's not going to pay off and get treated like dog shit and wake up and hate myself because I don't have any self-value or worth. Right. <sighs> so I've, I've had the wildest hair up my ass lately thinking maybe you should just go to the Omaha floaty boat and try it out one time or... I don't know why. I've never written. I've no, I, I know nothing about stand up, but I listen to all these stand ups, and they almost like make me want to just try it, just because I hear it all the time. Do it because it'll teach you a lot. I'm sure it'll humble humble me right down. Oh, right down. Because I can't tell you how many times I was class clown in high school. I was fraternity clown. I was the campus clown at University of Oklahoma. So everywhere I went, I was always the funniest guy. And then I got into stand-up, and it's like, you think you're funny shit, because everywhere you've gone, you've always been the funniest guy. And stand-up quickly lets you know, I don't give a fuck who you are. Yeah. This is different. You're making people you know and know things about laugh. This room is full of strangers that you know nothing about. You don't know their stories. You don't know their humor. They're not the same demographic as you. There are all kinds of different demographics, backgrounds, races, genders. And... You have to understand the human condition to make a room full of strangers laugh. And it's much harder. And I see so many people come out here to LA, guys that were, I'm, oh, I'm fucking funny, I'm hot shot, you know, and, or, or really good looking guys that like girls and everyone thinks they're funny. Well, you're only funny because you're attractive and people laugh at you. Matt Rife. Thank you. Like he, he works and has created an act in a business, whatever, and it, you know, but yeah, Matt Rive is definitely the example of that. Yes, but he he knows it. I think he knows it. I think so too. I and think he knows it, but he's utilizing it and monetizing off it. So I don't have anything against the guy. But Matt Rife is getting laughs. Girls are just gonna laugh at him because they're attracted to him, and that's fine. Whatever the guy's using his resources. So. Um, they come out here and, you know, cause I had done shows with Matt for years. So, you know, he, he didn't just come out of nowhere. Um, he was on wild and out for a couple of years. Yeah. But he was grinding, doing stand up here for a long time. Right. Um, but, uh, these guys come out here and they're like, I'm the funniest guy where I go. Like, just give me a hand, give me the microphone and eat a bag of fat horse cocks, fat horse cocks, fat horse cocks, because the audience doesn't give a fuck you know confidence is important but you see the audience doesn't care like you can think you're funny and you can be confident and have funny jokes to your friends but it doesn't like and i do impersonate my dad to people that know me and know him people are on the floor crying it's hilarious and i tried it for years on stage and people are like yawning really yawning and they don't know him they don't know the context so i was like i had to drop it so i do a lot of crowd work and characters you know like a mixture of a crowd work comic and Robin Williams. So, um, you know, you, you, you get humbled so fast. Yeah. I mean, I thought I was hot shit and then I got on stage and it was like, no, you're starting from scratch again, buddy. According, um, 
in your opinion, I we hear it all the time. What is the best comedy town, the comedy city? It's always been New York. It, that I that's what I. It's always been New York. From what I've put together, I've thought the same thing. But what do I know? You know, an LA stand-up scene is legendary, and the scene the scene in the seventies and eighties here was legendary, but it's not the same. And in the seventies and eighties, if you came here and you had a unique act, like shit happened. You go to the comedy store and Mitzi likes you, shit happened. Dreams happen. You got a TV show. Um, but now it's just so unbelievably oversaturated and it's just like Yeah, it's like if you have a friend that's like, dude, I'm gonna start a vodka company. Your immediate thought is that's a fucking dumb idea. Yeah. There's a billion vodkas. There's no reason anyone should buy your vodka. I mean, no one's and, even buying true truly vodka. Yeah. No, no one. And it's like, don't start a vodka. Or someone's like, I'm going to start a fucking Mexican restaurant. Like, there's a million Mexican restaurants. If you're in fucking, um, if you're in Afghanistan, start a Mexican restaurant. Yeah. Spine a man. <laughs> but there's just, that's what I tell people. Like, I don't, wouldn't recommend getting into stand-up or comedy. Yeah. Even if you love it. Because there's just no... Like it's very oversaturated, and unless you have something insanely unique that like nobody's seen, it, you're probably just gonna be thrown in line like a number. There's so many comics that I find almost every day, like new ones that are that have all these followings and stuff. So just just like you're saying, like there's so many comics that just fall into a pool of you're someone, but a lot of people really don't know you, and you don't really have that. They don't have that base that all these other guys do. Yeah. I mean, I was like ripping rooms up for years, tearing rooms in half and got nowhere and got fucking nowhere. And I'm not saying that is, you know, like to, to say there's no way to succeed. I'm saying it as a cautionary tale of like, I got good at it. I was always the funniest guy and then got good at stand up and would rip rooms and be the funniest guy in the lineup. And it doesn't matter. And it's, it matters more as being unique. And more importantly than anything now, it's just like you need to be known from something and to have a draw. That's right. all that really fucking matters. You know, now it's like from Country Club Adjacent and people that like our content can come out and be like, oh, he fucking does the thing. Right. I want to watch him because he does the thing. So, um, yeah, now it's like it makes more sense for me to do stand up. Before it was like, why would you come see me? I'm not from anything. I hate that. It doesn't work that way in the UK. You people just go to the comedy club for no particular comic, just because it's comedy. It's a comedy show. Yeah. They pay money and they go because if the, the the host introduces your credits, the crowd will boo the host and you. Really? They don't want to hear that and don't care. They just want your laugh. job is to be fucking funny right now. I don't care what TV show you're on. So, um, you know, it, it, it's here it's kind of like well, what are you from it shouldn't be that way it should be i'm just funny but no one cares yeah no one cares how funny you are you're gonna you're not gonna get anywhere being the funniest guy in the room um being from something and being unique is how you get somewhere and um now i have something where people know us from that will come to a show so you said you did a show in in belgium when you did all the when you drank all those all those beers out yeah. there yeah so you like when these comics from the U.S. go out there and they do these these tours, all these people like when you did your sets, they know English, yeah. and, like well enough to like know where these punchlines are and like they oh, yeah. they understand your setup and everything. Yeah, um, 
uh, the the Belgians and like the Dutch and Scandinavians speak better English than we do. It's insane. Honestly, they're like sometimes their punctuation and like correct use of grammar is better than your average American. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Um, some of uh, when I went to Romania, some of Romania didn't understand, and that happens. Um, depends on where you go, but um, like a lot of these countries, people go to like Tokyo or these places. They're performing to expats. Um, but more and more people, young generations learning English. So you're going to see in probably five years, someone going to do a set in Japan and it's all people from Japan that learned English, that are there. They've watched movies and know American culture. And so they'll get the references and they speak English well enough. But you couldn't just go walk up to a person off the street off, you know, Tokyo or Moscow. Yeah. And expect to do comedy. I've always thought that was always my question because you like Tom Scary does ungodly amount of dates at way out in and in Spanish too. Yeah, it, I was just gonna say, but he he has Spanish in his belt a little bit, and like that's so sweet as a comic. You, you like you're making other people laugh that like they know what you're saying, but like not in their original lane. Like they're, they 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 got to kind of go around and figure out. I don't know. They're le- they're learning it as they're laughing it. I I think that's just insane. It's it's a weird concept because like where i'm from the only other the only other language besides english is spanish and that's right. only if you're in the shit part of town sometimes right yeah it's a girl released an hour in spanish i heard that yeah like that's incredible so uh, <clears throat> um yeah i you know i i hope i uh i think we covered a lot here i we hope did. i answered any questions we did uh Honestly, as Country Club Country Club adjacent would say, this is about the time a podcast should be. <laughs> absolutely. Um, this has been a dream of mine. A- anyone that knows me back home knows that this is a huge episode, and I want to thank you a lot for ma- having me fly halfway across the country and just go out on a whim and you know bring me in and let me do a podcast with you. This is huge. Well, I, uh, I'm happy to do it, dude. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Is there anything, uh, obviously go, go watch and, and listen to country club adjacent and go hit Griff up on his Instagram as well. I mean, I think we got to start getting your Instagram up, bud. I think, I think, I think you got potential. We got those skits are fucking hilarious. Yeah. I'm working on it. I don't know. I love the, I love those golf skits with your, you do crazy impressions yeah and everyone voices. that's seen them loves them but i don't know what's going on they're not getting the uh, numbers they should i don't know what that what's going on with the rooms but there will be a day where that that tipping point hits what I'm is out. what is your instagram for everyone to go at griff pippin g-r-i-f-f-p-i-p-p-i-n great follow great skits uh after meeting you you're one hell of a guy you're exactly like you are in the podcast and that's that's probably the most important part is you're not a fake guy. No. And I, I that's that's huge for no. for everyone. In a fake town, you stand out by not being fake. It's huge. Simple as that. Yeah. Uh everyone um have a great day. We're done here in Cali. We did 3 episodes. We landed on a banger. Um thanks for coming along. Uh as always, GFYM.